0: Behold, adventurers, as we hearken back to an age before Thacko, a time known as old-school role-playing. A time long before the age of the Mythwits, the show dedicated to all things geek, pop culture, drenched in absurdity, and coated with sarcasm. Every week we bring on an industry guest to talk about the ever-expanding, ever, ever-expanding Geekoverse. We do our damnedest to be funny, but there are no guarantees. I am your host, Peter Bryant, and joining me on this episode is my co-host, Mike Kafis. Hello. And on this episode, we're talking with Matt Finch. Hey, Matt. Hey, everybody. So Matt is the any award-winning, or any any winning, any winning, any award-winning author of Swords and Wizardry, Wizardry Clone of o- od I didn't pre-read this. <coughs> blah, blah, blah the tome of adventure design, the quick primer for old school gaming, the Mouth of Doom levels of Rappin' Athuk, and a number of other books. He has a very attractive... Patreon... Attractive... Well, that's attractive—a very active Patreon community—and runs also a
1: a very attractive community. I'd say right now, my patrons are better looking than anyone else's.
0: (laughs) I'm sure they are. And he runs a YouTube channel called Matt Finch's uh, Matt Finch RPG Studio. Matt, uh, again, welcome to the Mythwits. We're going to be talking, you know. I want to talk a lot about old school gaming? I don't know if you're tired of, of, of talking with people about it or not. I mean, you seem to really love it, so I'm hoping this isn't like rehashing a bunch of stuff. Um, a lot of our fans are role players. It's um, not it's not a, a role playing show, but we do a lot of episodes on role playing. We got a lot of fans who are role players, and some of them, like I don't know, Mike, might not fully understand what old school role playing is, right, Mike?
2: Uh, I have different. Th- uh, thoughts of what it, what it could be? I'm I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Because
0: I said to Mike, well, I mean, not that he doesn't know what it is, but I'd I mentioned. I said, I said well, we could talk to him about you know OSR, and he's just like, and that is, and I was like, old school role playing. He's like, right, old school role playing, right. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> well,
2: and um, then I'm like working on the show doc. I'm going to throw myself out there. I'm working right? on the show doc. I'm like, all right, we I'll talk about old school DMing. Is that like, uh, like I'm an old school DMer? Or is that more like just old school game DMing, or is there a difference? Because I mean, I've I've like been DM'd by some of the greats, and uh, there is a little bit of a different style. So I don't know if there was if it's a stylistic thing or not. So I'm I'm curious about getting into that.
1: All right, well we can talk about it then. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so um, well, all right. So the question is, what the hell is it?
2: Right. Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a I mean, that's, that's a broad. broad...
2: Maybe I'm just old, and maybe it's just for me. It, it is school
1: DMing or well, school. It, it may it may be. I mean, that is that is for 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 a lot of people. The uh you know the the whole the whole terminology doesn't even make as much sense now in the fifth edition era. But back during you know third edition, uh, and with Pathfinder when you had these very very complicated, uh you know granular tactics for what people could do, and then, uh you know in second edition there was the sort of story arc that you know uh, that people were you know, had to follow. And so, you know, just the old school, you know, just a group of people got together in, I don't know, around 2004, thereabouts, and started, you know, communities talking about the fact that, you know, the game that they used to play was different. And how was it, you know, how exactly was it different? And so the, you know, and people started, you know, like the internet does, you know, parsing things ad absurdum, you know, to the, to the different levels of, of stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want a really, really, really simple, uh, you know, metric to start with, it's it's at what point do skill checks begin to become more important than puzzle solving is probably that that's probably your, your big break where that comes in there.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I've heard a lot of people say, you know, um, you know, the old school role playing is more about talking about what you're going to do, uh, you know, coming up with ways to do things instead of like flipping through a book and going, all right, well, the rules here says that if you want to walk 10 feet every five minutes, you roll 1d6 and then compare that to your, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's more of like yeah, well, you, walk, I mean, you walk up the hill. You got to
1: be honest though. You got to be honest though. That that happened on day one, the first time somebody ever opened d anD D book. <laughs> that started happening. The whole thing right. about you know it says that on the on the you know the the thing. But yeah, I mean, I think there's it's just that there's more in a lot of the later rule books that um, you know give the players um, you know the, give the players resources um, which. Um, at which, at the same time, kind of reduces the DM's ability um, to to describe what all is going on. But you know, it's a I mean, the, the whole thing's a false dichotomy, really, of old school right. versus new school kind of concept. It's just that, you know, once again, it's the internet. And so, you know, you, you you do get these things. But when you're talking about old school gaming, there's a whole lot of different things you might be talking about. You might be talking about it's rules light, but AD&D wasn't actually all that rules light. It might be talking about, you know, I like, you know, diagram maps as opposed to artistic maps. I like uh, black and white art as opposed to color art. Um, you know, I'm into exploration and puzzle solving and those aren't as as well uh handled in the later editions um you know and then then on the other hand you've got uh you know people who are later on saying you know hey you know uh i want to skip over the boring stuff so just give me a number that i can roll and we'll move past the boring stuff and a lot of it has to do with who who considers what to be the boring stuff right so right
0: and and you know it always it says in every book you know just about every book that I've read, uh, at least D&D wise, um, you know, it says that this is your game. You've bought this book. It belongs to you. Use or throw out any rule you you want, changing rules you want. This is your, you, when you're the game master sitting at the table, uh, this is your world. So do, you know, do you any way you want to. So having more rules is not bad unless you get rules lawyers who will fight with you. But if you're just like, you know, like our group, the game master has final say. It's like, I, I'm the game master. This is what I say goes and this is what, how it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And in, and in fifth edition, I mean, here's 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 one of the things and again, we're sort of talking in the past because third edition isn't the uh, isn't the premier edition anymore. But it was a very elegant system in which everything was tied into everything else. If you took out if you tried to take out one thing, a lot of time you'd screw things up all through the whole system, whereas in first edition um, and in fifth edition, things tend to be a little bit more compartmentalized so you can take out a you know a block and say we're going to change it with this and it won't cause problems everywhere else so
0: right right and we're, we're just going to skip over that one that's between three and five
1: yeah because everyone does and right. that's the best yeah
0: <laughs> and i i pick on people you know i'm i'm honestly you play what you like if you're happy if if you like fourth it's fine that's cool more on you know go go for it uh i just pick on it because i hated it i, I played yeah. it and i was like i don't know what this is i can't stand <laughs> this and um but but you know what, there are some people who love it
2: matt what is your go-to edition then or what is your go-to game what do you what do you find yourself playing
1: the most um mainly original D, and um you know i i i took the uh um, those books and sort of codified them together into what was basically a complete version of OD and D right before the split over to AD and D. And so that's, uh, and the name of that game is swords and wizardry, but you know, what am I actually playing? It's, it's OD and D. So,
0: okay. Um, so and we say OD and D, you mean be, like, like
1: be the, the addition, the little, those little books, books yeah. um, plus dragon magazine and all of that stuff prior to um, the, the awesome uh, trampier demon idol, book that came out that's that's the point that's after what I play so
0: okay yeah so <laughs> yeah I cut my teeth on first edition so I'm I'm uh, 49 right now and I started playing in 1980 um so uh, you know the first edition had, I guess what did it come out in 79 had it had it been out what like a year was it 78
1: I think in 78, the Monster Manual came out, yeah, um, right. which was oddly the first thing that came out. You, so you had monsters for a game that hadn't actually come out yet, um, but they were you know, usable with OD&D, so it came out. And then the Player's Handbook came out. And then quite a bit, like at least a year later, the Dungeon Master's Guide finally came out. So. Right.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what I cut my teeth on. So when I talk about any D&D that I've played, that's pretty much the biggest bulk of D&D, the D&D version i played on. Um, yeah. You know, and and it's funny too because you know it it's it's like Monopoly in, in some ways. In that, and bear with me because I know that's like it's almost a travesty saying that, but <laughs> is that there's there are certain rules that people completely ignore, and then when you look back, you're like, yeah, you know what? We never even played with that rule. Like, but it was there. It was, it was right there. Yeah, um, you don't
1: actually get five hundred dollars when you land on free parking.
0: Right. Right, right. And you don't. And and also in Monopoly, another another rule that everyone ignores is that if you land on a property and you don't buy it, then anyone else at the table can buy it and they basically can auction it off. It gets auctioned off by the bank. So right. if if I want it and Mike wants it, we bid against each other until somebody gets it, uh, which is a rule that I didn't even know existed until recently. And I was reading this thing and I'm like, holy shit, that totally changes the game. That, that makes it that makes it a better game. Why didn't we use that? Um and there's things in D&D like that in in AD&D like that. Um you know uh I trying to remember what it was like weapon profi- was weapon proficiencies in in AD&D. No, what you're
1: thinking about is weapon um is the speed factors. Right. The speed the speed factors and the effectiveness of the weapon against different kinds of armor class at which nobody used.
0: Right. But in a way that was kind of cool, you know I mean it would it, you know it would kind of it was a balancing thing, right? Cause if it could use a knife like three, four times versus a sword that gives a knife, you know, gives a dagger rather, uh, uh that you're taking one of the advantages away from that, that it, that it would have given you.
1: Yeah. But you know, a, a lot of the stuff in, in AD and D wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't perfect design either. I mean, there were, there were a lot of little toggles and things that were, that were made in there. That was, a, that was a difficult rule. But again, you know, I think most people who played it, um, or at least a, a huge number of people who played it started out with the Holmes box set um which was the uh the, the sort of you know that was their first basic set they ever came out with and that one um I think a lot of people just kind of they had that and then they got their player's handbook and they just said okay here's extra classes but we're going to keep playing using these rules that we've you know that we learned to play on them the basic rules so
0: yeah it's so so with the um with the with OD and d now I know like the the basic set came out and like elves were a uh elves were a, a race and a class did, did OD and d have any of that kind of stuff
1: yeah that was uh elves and uh and dwarves and halflings were they were basically their own uh classes or at least you didn't have a lot of classes that you could um, could really choose from I, I think that that uh you know not not to get you know Weird with a zillion different editions. I think that really came in with the Moldvay box set, where they were specifically that way. But it was kind of interesting because the idea was, you know, elves—they're—they're they're different. They've all got this magic user thing going with the fighter thing, and that's just what makes you an elf. You know. Hmm. So Okay.
0: All right. So, um, so Mike, I'm, 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 I'm kind of talking a lot. So, did you want to jump in there?
2: Uh, I. I wrote some questions out. So which ones do you think would be intelligent for me to ask? Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> All
1: right. I mean, they sounded intelligent when I wrote them, but now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. All right, right, so <laughs> and everything falls apart and we end up talking about kittens <laughs> and stuff like that. So, it's not the worst thing.
0: All right, so uh, so man, what <laughs> I had uh, role playing Right, right. Now, uh, Mike, I'm sorry you didn't ask this one though. Yet, did you? Uh, what is what is it about old games that keep you coming back?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, suppose, like, see. All right. First of all, let me just say this. My my thing is like I, I'm a big uh, cyberpunk fan. Okay, and I like that genre. I, I seem to be more of the techno type of genre and traveling and things like that. Um, The D&D aspects has never appealed to me, but that's just me, and I I embrace and I love how everyone else does. Now, I will say that, and I'll say once in a while, like when I'm at con – when I do some con gaming, I do it, and I enjoy it. I love it. So for you, like what is it about that that really keeps you coming back?
1: Well, I mean it's kind of a flip side because I I actually – pretty much stick with either classic traveler or D and D and just, those are the, you know, the mindsets that I like same way that, you know, someone prefers cyberpunk, same way that someone, you know, might prefer superhero games. Um, You know, I'm, I'm not somebody who plays, I'm not somebody who loves figuring out a new rule set and playing in a new thing. I, I I tend to just go back to the different things, you know, that, that I like and my image of, you know, science fiction is sort of, you know, Firefly traveler kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, um, D and D is, um, it's just sort of where the mind sits, you know, I like, you know, being an elf wandering around, you know, bringing my magic user up to, cause I'm always a magic user, you know, playing, uh, you know, trying to get up to being an, an arc mage and all of that good stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, it's not, uh, it's not anything about the rules in particular. I think it's just that that's kind of, you know, where, where that, that's the, you know, the, the, the good place for, for where my mental fantasy life is, is, you know,
0: I'd bring up an interesting point there. So you have, you have a character type that you, you gravitate towards a lot. Is there a specific, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So what what was that again?
1: It, it, uh, well, I, I call it a magic user. It'd be a wizard, you know, okay. nowadays, but, uh, um yeah I you know I don't know what it says about me but <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, nothing, nothing no so I have I, you know I try so when I was playing d d back in the day I tried playing I think two different times tried playing a magic user and we always kind of started we'd usually start at first level but sometimes we'd start at third or fourth just to like so that our characters you know weren't like just goblin fodder um <laughs> what uh i always had a hard time surviving any period of time with a magic user in oh, the yeah, early that's days the thing
1: about that's the thing about the uh, the early edition you know magic user was a glass cannon you had one you know at first level you had you know one to four hit points you had one spell that would win any battle you know um sleep right exactly you know <laughs> yeah. you, you had your sleep spell then you get up to fifth level and you've got and then you've got fireball and right. you know it's <laughs> Right. So, you know, but that's the that's the key is that, you know, um, the uh, you know, the, in, in, the, in the older editions, your magic user is, you know, hoarded carefully in the middle of the party and kept alive by everybody else until things get really hairy. And then they cut loose with the spell and everyone goes back to town uh, and the magic user rememorizes the spell and everyone heals up. It's you know just, you know, there are some patterns that you see every time. Right.
0: I was always partial to Rangers. I liked Rangers a lot. They were my they were fun to play. Cuz were... are just a
1: lot more they're a lot more durable. Are you you're yeah. one of the guys that goes and pushes levers and pulls buttons and yeah. does all of that kind of Yeah, yeah that's so a magic user is really not the right class for you to play.
0: No. It. <laughs> it's like, there's a lever on the wall. Let's pull it. Obviously, yeah, I think uh, in the later editions when you get around to like barbarians and stuff that you're starting getting into my uh my Bailiwick right there yeah
1: there uh, you
0: go <laughs> I like to be the the meat puppet that people beat on um no, but I do I also I also enjoy playing thieves i I did have some fun playing um playing thieves there uh but you, it's a different mindset altogether. you pull the lever, but you're very clever and crafty about pulling it first, you check it for traps and then you you
1: know. You then you make a pulley, right. then then you lock your pulley down underneath the lever, you run a rope from the lever down through right. the pulley, you pull down the lever from a distance of about 40 or 50 feet away. So
0: Right. And if a door swings open, you've got your peg that you put in the floor to hold the door open so it doesn't swing shut on you when you go in the room. Your yeah, iron- so that's one
1: of the things I do miss with, the, with, with all of the newer editions is that the bizarre... Um, uh, you know, Goldberg device kind of gadgetry that went on, you know, when, in, when we were all in middle school and, you know, you just figure out some kind of wily coyote way to, you know, to, to rig things. And that's not, you know, that doesn't so much show up anymore.
2: Right. And when you did those, but the, before, was that done? Like, did you do that like orally in the game? Like just, there's a, the, you see a lever and this and that and the other, and like you had to just people talk through that or did you ever, did you guys ever just present like, look, Here's a puzzle. You find this. Solve it.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, you didn't you didn't have stuff for it. You just have people be like, you know, I've got a I've got a pulley in my you know, equipment list that I had the blacksmith make for me. So, uh, you know, standard operating procedure, we're going to put it down. You know, we're going to lock it in some way or other and, you know, and do our thing. You had people bringing uh, uh, do- uh, one story was people who would bring a door into the dungeon with them. Why? Door. Because you've got a hold portal spell that will lock a door completely if you have a door. And so they would just put their their door up somewhere, you know, if there was a, an archway or something, and then cast their spell on it. Instant blockade. Little little tricks like that. <laughs> God,
0: I never thought of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. The meanest trick I ever pulled was uh, I had a character that had a um, – he had a portable hole. And um, – and I used it, you know, for a while, and then something happened with the party screwed him over. And he, I was playing, and I was playing a thief at that time. And he was, he was in, was he evil? I think he was evil, but he wasn't like, I think he was like, was he neutral evil? Anyway, whatever it doesn't matter. Anyway, so he got pissed off, and I was like, you know what? the party's party screwed me over. I don't care about playing with them anymore. So I got with the with the game master and I I uh booby tra- I got ahead of the players and I actually set my own booby trap in a dungeon. I set it so there was a pit that they would fall into. And cuz the guy I knew was leading it, he had this tactic and this is which, you know, this is like if you know the party, this is things you can use against them. And he had a staff of t- teleportation that he always carried with him. And if the party ever got in trouble, he would teleport everybody out. So they fell in this trap him and one other guy falls in the trap and they go into a portable hole. But the game master says, yeah, you fall into this pit and it's all dark. You can't see anything. And he goes, I'm going to tell teleport back to where we were, which is what I was expecting. And va- boom blew up everybody. And it was, it was a, <laughs> uh, that was, that was my favorite crafty thing that I ever did. I, I'd never did anything quite so crafty since then, but that the was The
1: meanest. The meanest one I ever heard of was a DM who, uh, somebody in the party had a, a, a ring of wishes and he somehow managed to get them all joining together in a rousing chorus of "I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener."
0: Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> well here's all right. So I was in a D and D club, and I overheard this one. This was not one of mine. This is another game master did this to one of his annoying players. The guy kept looking over the DM screen, and 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 he told him he's like, "Look, man, if you keep doing this, I'm going to punish you. You can't can't be looking over the screen." And he happened to see that there was a, a ring of feather falling uh on, on the guy's page is one of the treasures. So when they killed the monster, he goes, well oh, I grabbed the ring. And he knew that the game master knew at that point that he's like, all right, he saw this. He really wanted that. So they they come to this this um this like waterfall and it was you know like a hundred foot drop or, or whatever. And the ring was in the module so that somebody had the ring and they figured out what it was. They could get down to the bottom and I think they had to release some lever or something to open up some stairs. And he's like, Alright, um uh, I'm just gonna jump off. Right? And uh The game master was like, all right, yeah, you jump off. And it was he he turned it into a ring of water walking. So when the guy hit the water, he splattered like he'd hit concrete. (laughs) I was like, damn, that's messed up. But that was fair. I mean, that's what you get for looking over the DM screen.
1: Yeah, that that, that sort of goes outside all bounds on that one. I got a question. (laughs) Do you feel
2: like back in old school days and old school um, DMing and uh, gaming that more, there were more player deaths per adventures and and campaigns than there are today. You know, like you know,
1: players today. <laughs> well, I like, think I, I think so. I think so, but I think that there, there's a, a reason why that tends to change um, with the rules because um, it takes more time to make a character in the later rule sets just because there's more stuff to fill out you know on a character sheet so i, I think there's a little bit more um and I, I just that sort of changes the game with you know with you, you know y'all remember with the um you know additions in the 80s it took about five minutes or less to come up with a new oh, character yeah. so it really wasn't a big deal um and uh you know, and I think also there's, uh, you know, there's there's become more focus on role playing the characters. So people, you know, get more attached to it. So, you know, I don't think people take the idea of characters dying out of the game. But I think that they're um, a little bit more careful about, um, you know, not just having somebody fall into a pit of lava and die, you know, <laughs> which was, you know, kind of the thing.
0: Yeah, I had a, this friend Dave Ferber. <laughs> hey, hold on, Mike, real quick. This this guy Dave Ferbert. um, I'm on on topic. The the guy Dave Ferbert. He uh he used to play the same character every time. He'd play a a a half work fighter magic user. It's what he loved to play, and uh, um, he he lost his character. And he's like, it was like right in the middle of the evening. So we still had plenty of time left to play. This is when we were kids. You know, we'd play like five, six, ten hours a go. And he's like, he's like, hold on, I can have a character in ten minutes, five if you let me keep the stats. <laughs> all right mike i'm sorry good
2: no I, I just wanted to see if we could switch gears and just talk a little bit more about adventure designing yeah sure okay because uh, yep. i know uh, matt you said you, you do that um uh, i don't know first i don't know what a, a good primer is talking about just uh a what what type of things i mean pete read off a little bit but what if you what type of stuff do you do now and what have you done in the past and then we'll get into more about you know like some um i guess uh
1: design tactics and things. sure um well i mean i've written the probably the best known stuff is the the mouth of doom levels in rap and Ethic. um you know that's a, a, a god it's hundreds of pages long the, the the whole thing overall um but i wrote the area that is where the first level characters you know can start um and uh so there's there's there are those and then i've written um Oh, a bunch of adventures. I mean, uh, Pod Caverns of the Sinister Shroom is probably one that's relatively unknown because it was for first edition. Um, uh, I've written a bunch of you know small adventures that are in the Frog God books, the Borderland Provinces. Um, so you know, various various adventures, Demon Spore, so on. Um, but. Um, I'm, I'm wandering off the question cause you asked what I had written and I started answering that, but there was a second part to the question.
2: Uh, just like, um, what, uh, what I actually, what I kind of wanted to get into is like, again, uh, I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around what old school, you know, um, adventure designing and, and things like that in, within that genre, like, um, what do you think is important, um, in designing like old school adventures, uh, like, uh, Things like having to do with structures and outcomes. Um, is there anything? Well, actually, yeah. I'll start with those two things.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I'm not really sure that um, that there's a huge distinction in adventure design between old school and um, fifth edition D or any other game um, really that's out there. As long as you're playing to the the strengths of whatever the system is. I mean, so with the old school stuff, you're going to be doing more. Uh, you know exploration so you might have a really large dungeon that's something that you'd never have time to complete if you were doing it with so i mean there's there's things like that but i mean the uh um designing an adventure i mean i think the most Important rule in there, which I discovered is what people refer to as player agency. But I've been saying for a long, long time that the the point, you know, one of the the main thing for designing a good adventure is giving the the, uh, the players meaningful choices for their characters. That you know, there there is a decision, and it is something that will have a consequence along the line, and they have to have enough information ahead of time to make that an intelligent decision. You know, unless they went in some direction where they didn't but could have gotten that information, you know, that, that tells them how to do a a thing. So, I mean, um, that, that's probably the, the main thing. I wrote a book called Tome of Adventure Design, um, which is, uh, you know, again, it's one of the Frog God publications, but what that is, is it's a book of, um, of tables for designing adventures. Only they are different from, you know, most books of tables are something that you're going to be using, um, you know, at the, at the gaming table. So you want to have a a fairly small table with results that are all going to work out well. And Mm -hmm. so there's a, there's a, a, a difference there, um, with the Tome of Adventure Design, which is that a lot of the tables, um, you can sort of go into nested sub tables fairly deeply. Um, and you can get a lot of, of, um, you know, answers where you need to use some creativity to get the, um, to get a, a good result but the point being that that's where you insert the creativity in there that you're trying to get you know for designing your adventure so it's, it's kind of a different book than the idea of something that's a quick reference table
0: right okay. yeah so one of the things that i i noticed between like older modules and I'm not, even, I'm not even talking old school versus new school i'm just talking about when you take models modules that were written back in you know the late 70s and, and you know into the 80s uh and then as you get get into later modules uh, or adventure sets um, I find that the creators started putting in more stuff to allow you to ask questions and do investigations and so that if you spent time uh, infiltrating the module uh, you know and engaging engaging with NPCs and going to the library and doing research that kind of stuff that you had a better time as the adventure went on and you got rewarded for for spending more time doing things um, to, to educate your character about what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the early ones, um, the really early ones were actually just, um, they, they would take a tournament module that they that's had right. done and then they would flesh that out a little bit. So, I, I mean, there you definitely had, um, you know, the, the, a lot of the really famous ones, the, you know, the, uh, the giants, uh, modules and, uh, so on were, um, they were relatively tactical. They were, very bounded in space because if you're running a tournament module you can't have people you know <laughs> going off the map and and, and things right. like that um and they're not usually going to do any sort of you know long discussions with people um and so yeah i i think that when things came around to the idea of we are doing things for people to be playing at their home tables it needs a little bit different spin. On things than the uh, than than what was done in the original tournament modules. So,
0: yeah. So so to um to to add on to that just real quick. Um. So have you seen the stuff by Goodman Games? The 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 Into the Borderland, the Isle of Dread, Expedition to Barrier Peaks that they're that they're doing. I know. Um. I saw Into the Borderland. I want to say Garycon last year, maybe.
1: Yeah, I've seen. Which one was it? It may have been in,
0: but it was like this thick. It's like
1: Isle of Dread. Well, yeah, but it's the they took the the original one, they reprinted the original one, and then they put in the you know the the more stuff. And I didn't read it in depth enough to figure out whether whether it was worth those additional words. Right. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that you, you get in, in all kinds of writing novels, whatever, is that, you know, somebody who has no editor will write way more words than they ought to. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and it, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a real editing process when you're writing adventures for publication because, um, you really need to strip things down to the basic elements. Um, with the, with the mindset of there's someone who's going to be using this at a table, they're going to have it open. They've probably haven't, you know, they, they have not done what you, the author assume they're going to do, which is to read absolutely every word carefully and lovingly, you know, appreciating your prose and may taking notes and stuff like that, you know, they page, they page through it, you know, uh, you know, 20 minutes beforehand. And, uh, and you got to be cognizant of the fact that you've got somebody who is, you know, is not, um, super prepared for it. Um, and so every page that they're on needs to be as usable as possible. And so, you know, even if it's stuff like, you know, put if, if room number one is next to another room on the map, make that next room, room number two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so so that they're next to each other in the thing. And keep the descriptions small enough so that if you can, you've got room number one on page one and room number two on page two, and you can sort of look back and forth and realize there's something in room number two that is going to hear what they do in room number one. Just, you know, little things like that are um, an enormous part of the editing process on something that you're publishing, which you don't need to worry about when you're writing an adventure for your, you know, for your, Group when they're coming by four hours from now because you're going right. to remember it,
0: right? And you want to make sure that if there's some magic item in the room that the bad guys could ha- get a hold of, like that's one thing used to drive me nuts. Is like there's a magic sword hanging on the wall, and you defeat all the you know you defeat the bad guy in there, and then you go over and you grab the magic sword. It's like oh this thing kicks ass, right? And you're just right. like, um, why wasn't he using this kick ass sword? I mean, if I'm the bad guy, I'm, you know, I'm not just going to go, oh, that's a treasure for the adventurers should they defeat us. You right,
1: exactly. I mean? that's, that's loot. That's a loot drop.
2: Right. <laughs> a loot crate. Yeah. Loot crate. It's funny. Sorry.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, Mike, you want to go into the next section, or did you want to talk about any more? Uh, do you want to talk about convention G- DMing?
2: Yeah. Uh, should we can. I mean, like, what did uh, Matt? What do you want to? tell? What would you rather talk about? Uh, talking a little bit more about just rating D and D resources, or uh, how often do you do convention DMing? For instance?
1: well, see, what's happening here is that you guys ha- are are super organized, and when somebody's coming onto the show, you send them a form. We should and have, on the we- form. You say what are the things you would like to talk about, and so <laughs> I got on there and I typed in. Well, there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this. And there's this, and there's this. And so you guys—that's what you guys are working from. So let, let's let's turn it, you know, turn it turn around and ask a question. You guys, you know, what what do you want to ask about anything in gaming? Any question? Anything? What's what are y'all's most? What are y'all most interested about gaming? Cyberpunk? Well, all right,
2: Mike is so, cyberpunk. Well, well, I do, but we we can we can jump straight to then what we think is. Um, happening in the rpg industry i'm okay. just curious here here's where i'll go with this okay All right. uh something unexpected happened as far as i'm concerned and that is somewhere in hollywood role-playing got really cool and mainstream and it's done wonders for the industry but it's not going to last forever and i keep thinking like well what's next what's going to happen as a result of or will it just be dropped like a hot potato? Uh, will it, you know, it, will it have any repercussions from that? Will someday it become like passe? Yeah, or, what, do you, what do you
0: think? Are we in an RPG bubble? Like, is it about, is, you know, do you think it'll
1: pop? Yeah, I do, actually. I, 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 and, I, and I think that, you know, Mike's right on point with that. You know, there, there, are, there are fads. And, you know, right at the moment you got, uh, you know, the, I guess your, your prime... Uh, probably the people who buy shit from commercials, uh, you know, age range of people or people who play D&D, and they're like, oh, hey, we're getting a real good response from doing, you know, D&D. What, what comes next? I, it, it'll be whatever, uh, you know, the next generation of Americans did back when they were geeks and kids, which, you know, maybe anime, um, you know, I don't know what all it'll be, but I, I my guess is that, uh, you know, role-playing games are not going to be cool until the kids that are learning how to play it now come right back around, you know, to their point and then it'll be cool again. You know, Mm -hmm. Hollywood makes things cool for people who want to think that they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: the thing it's like, I think it first started with like, even people like Vin Diesel, who even before Vin Diesel was cool and Vin Diesel, it seemed like, well, that's kind of cool that he, when he was growing up, played RPGs and things. And, uh, but somehow it morphed into certain people that glommed on to things. And then I think they glommed onto it and realized they liked it and, and they're sticking with it. But I'm just, you know, like I wonder how long. I wonder also, like, there's a lot of people making, I mean, decent money. It's not like this is, I, this is never going to be so mainstream that, I, I don't even you know, I'm saying this and I could, you know. someone You'd be totally wrong. Yeah, and, and say, here's where Mike was wrong, right. you no. know. It's never, it's never, we're never going to see on like, you know, NBC, CBS, or any of the major things like some, some role-playing, you know, like really big role-playing events and things like that, you
1: know? Yeah, there's uh, not going to be an SPN for role-playing, an ESPN right. for, for role-playing. I, right. I I, think he would have done fine if he hadn't rolled that natural one, but I think right. that's going to take him out there. <laughs> <laughs> All the ogres
0: definitely, he should have, he should have made a stealth check. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, yes, yeah, so a stealth check would have been handy right there. Oh, here I comes with the he, I
1: don't know about a stealth check. He's not right. strong on stealth. What they should have done was not have him in the second <laughs> rank. He would have then, then you could have used your stealth check with much, much more efficacy, and I think they would have taken down those orcs, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> You're laughing, but I think that there's a place
2: for that. And if right. the three of us said any balls, we do it. Okay? <laughs> that said,
1: uh... But, well, but you know what? We've got our equivalent of that, which I'll tell you what surprises me about the the recent popularity stuff um, is the people who are broadcasting um, the actual play games. And, you know, there's definitely there's a great big division there between the people who do post who do that in a studio and do post processing and come out with a really slick, um, mm-hmm. you know, thing or, uh, you know, people who are just out there playing the game and other people can watch it on a stream or whatever it is. But that one really surprises me. And that you really are. They, they've got audience levels that tell you, you know, hey, if there were if there were a format where people could do running commentary on a D&D game, I, I, you'd probably have that going on. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be multi uh, multi million dollar advertising. But, mm-hmm. you know, if 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 D&D were subject to something like that, I think we'd see it right now. People would figure out a way to do it.
0: Yeah, I just I I I gotta I think I think some of the problem is is that D and D isn't a fast paced thing. You can't you can't wrap a really interesting game up in an hour or or even maybe sometimes you could do it in two. But like one hour you're just getting into the meat of things, you know? It's like like when you're watching a TV show, you know, you got all this attention that people have to spend on things. I mean and I guess you could edit out all the stuff that's kind of boring ish, you know, like looking up things or yeah. or you know well here's the-
1: what you could do here's what you could do when you when you create your espn for d all right you you, you got to do post-production but what you do is you take out the table talk and instead you put in the commentators mm-hmm. okay and then so then you, you play a little bit and then you've got the commentator saying, well, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen next, but I think they're making some terrible decisions here. <laughs>
0: right, right. They're going over the plan now. And, and Bob, Bob is just not, you know, he's he's not with the program. He keeps checking his phone. It's It's going to be All detrimental right. to the party. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Let's see what happens all right tim i uh i look inside the tent i'll see now if you had done a listen check beforehand instead of you know farting around that mimic wouldn't have eaten you no no what mimic the tent the the tent wasn't a tent see i and i gave you clues but you weren't paying attention
1: oh peter's Peter's (laughs) wizard is going for that lever again this (laughs) is going to be bad just like it was last character
2: (laughs) here's your legendary games death of the week (laughs) right
0: You know, and I I just I honestly tell you I cannot get my head around people watching other people play. I can't do it. I personally I, even the, the the top players, these these like people in critical role, I hear all great, you know, great things about it and I'm sure people really love it. I just can't. I'm like I'm like 2 minutes in and I'm like, nope. That's I'm bored. I'm I'd rather be playing. If I'm going to watch a game, I'm going to be in that game
1: yeah you know? no i mean i don't i don't i don't get it either but it, i mean it's, it's really clear that for a lot of people um you know it's fun and relaxing and sure. uh you know it's, it's something they. i i got a feeling it's i think it's different from playing a game i i, I think i think what you've got is you got people who are in their mode of i want to listen to something you know do i want to listen to you know npr talking about you know garbage washing up on the shores of new jersey or do i want to listen to people playing a game i think i'll listen to people playing a game you know it's it's more that kind of thing you know or do do i you know do i want to put on the, the acdc soundtrack or do i want to listen to people playing a game ah, i listened to acdc yesterday i'll you know i'll listen to a game i think it's more that kind of thing really all right but yes. I, I don't get it either so i don't know
2: as we're losing more of the first gen uh create creators um you know people like uh i mean i'm not saying that they're all gone but i'm saying like people as people like you know tim cask and you know, obviously, Gygax and some of the the real. Um... Tim
1: is still alive. No, no, we know. We know. Reports We're of his dead. demise have been greatly
2: exaggerated. No, no, no. Mike knows. <laughs> dead. Not that they're all dead, but people like.
0: As you know, as our as our aging population yes. ages out of the 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 table.
2: As he finally loses his character, eventually, maybe because Jesus. I mean, he's fighting hard, um, but. <laughs> Jesus, uh, Mike. God damn it. <laughs> oh my God. Like he's beating cancer. You know what I mean? Like he rolled a natural 20 on cancer. He did. You know? He totally did. Kicked the That's shit out of it. Are yeah. am putting words in my mouth. I'm not doing anything. All right. I'm not doing
0: anything. But I, we get what you're saying. So as, as the older gamers age out.
2: As they go, who is going to take their place? You know, is it going to be some of the more, is it going to be popularity? Or is it going to be some, some other some of the newer designers that that can take their place or will there be someone else will there be a new like you know (laughs) like some commentators or just you know the twitch people you know um it could it could and and i don't know we all can have a have a guess about it but whoever it is it's going to shape the industry as as well
1: sure well i mean i think there are a couple of people who are you know the the designers um You know, so Mike Murls, for example, um, you know, wrote fifth edition D&D, clearly has, you know, um, understands games in a way that will let him be... Um, relevant going on into the future. I mean, it won't just be, you know, oh, what was what did you do when you designed fifth edition d and I mean, he's, he's going to have stuff to, to comment on going into the future. And I guess as Monty Cook, um, you know, is is sort of in that same kind of thing. I think it's, you know, it's people who what they did is something that carries forward so that they still have something to say even after things have changed from whatever environment it was that made them famous in. So, um, you know, I think the critical role folks, presumably, uh, if there is a new, you know, edition of D&D or if they, you know, switching to other games and so on and so forth, um, presumably they are not landlocked in fifth edition d and assuming that that they are not, um, their popularity is going to mean that they're going to continue to be stars in the whole thing. You know, right. people look for. You know for different things out of people i mean tim uh you know going going back to tim i mean he's almost the he's the s- spokesperson for the dungeon in which your characters can die mm-hmm. and, we'll, uh, and, and and, and uh, well i he, okay yeah he killed me but i i had he used a 22nd level lich and i was second level so i've still got a minor problem with that but <laughs>
2: Rachel, Rachel was killed, killed by by Tim Cass, I've been yeah, killed think, by yeah. Tim Cass.
1: There, there you go. Yeah,
2: uh, there should be a T-shirt.
1: Yeah, but anyway, so you know that's and that's a that's a, a, a whole style of play. You know, it's the more it's the more beer and pretzels approach to D um, anD. d uh, And you know, and, and uh, it's the puzzle oriented thing. And and Tim, you know, continues to have plenty to say about that sort of thing, even when it's not D anD. d And and so you know he is, uh, you know, so that's sort of the uh, the pattern, I think of, of people who step up into being, you know, popular or listened to, or whatever the vector is on something like that is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that, what they have to say as continuing relevance to gaming rather than just sort of, you know, I did a thing, I still do that thing. I have nothing to say outside of that thing. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's how I think that works. I assume right. it works.
2: So, using uh, Twitch and some of the the, the newer um, types of role playing um, and, and venues for role playing, let's kind of switch gears and talk more about technology. Well, hey, Mike, uh, let's
0: not keep him too long. He's got a dog to walk. Okay,
2: okay, that's fine.
1: <laughs> All right, we're <laughs> hitting. Are we? Hitting, we're hitting the point where uh, where well, we you, said we were going to cut off, huh? Yeah, right. You're yeah, <laughs> getting there. Yeah, let's I, say I have more time you have okay well um, i can go i can go a couple more minutes so what i was the, the thing thing is they were saying well why don't you want to play the uh the game at the end and i was because like because when i look at the timing i know that my 150 pound dog is going to be saying <laughs> it is it is dark outside it's time for us to go and take our walk now so that's right. uh uh that that's why i didn't but yeah no if we got a couple more you know if you want to talk about technology whatever Okay. okay so
2: well um what, do you anticipate anything that's uh on the horizon that will change role playing or at least uh kind of be an adjunct or some sort of a um enhancement for it in the future?
1: Yeah, I think very much so though I mean I think virtual tabletops have already mm-hmm. let people who are in totally different places play in the same game, you know, and it, I used to think, oh, that's kind of weird. Why would you do that? But it's because people meet each other. We, we already meet people across the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would never have run into either of you guys if it weren't yeah. for the internet. Sure. You got people who played Call of Duty on an Xbox with somebody else. It seems completely normal, you know, to play games and communicate now with people that you've never even met face to face. And so virtual tabletops are just they're, they're not even a strange thing. It's just here's a way of getting together and playing that game. And I think that, you know, you've, you're already seeing um, a couple of people who are trying to get those into a first-person shooter kind of perspective where you take a, a map and you're actually able to see things through the eyes of your characters from the inside, like it's in Skyrim or something like that. If somebody's doing a Kickstarter on that, um, you know, not to sound mean about it, but I don't think they're going to be able to produce what they're talking about. But for example, Fantasy Grounds I know is working on something where you can import an STL file. An STL file is just a, um, it's the standard package for describing a 3d object and then you can put it into a 3d printer or you can put it into an animation program. It's just, that's the basic thing with no additional data. They're working on a way that you can put those into a virtual space and have people move around it. And then you'd be able to move your camera up and look down to see the tactical thing. I think that's going to be a really big, um, change in the way that people, um, play the games i'm not sure it's going to be a good one i think that visualizing things in your head is a lot more powerful yeah but i do think it's going to be a really big change that happens
0: i think yeah. honestly i think what really what what is is going to be something that sticks and is going to be a good a, a really positive technology is you know roll up screens so where you can you can roll out a screen on a table instead of a battle mat right so it's basically yeah. an electronic battle mat Once that's able to be done, and we're not—that's actually, you know, relatively um, realistic uh, invention. They've already got the phones that can fold in half, so they've got malleable screens. Um, Right? What's that? Five ten years. Five ten years. No no no. I, I'm serious. I think this. I'm, I'm just, I'm no, they just can saying. They could do that now. Yeah. They could.
1: You can do a rollout interactive screen. It's just it's incredibly expensive.
0: Expensive, right? No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. So with the technology's there, there's got to get the cost down. So once once that happens, and, and we've seen it with our flat screen TVs, cost they're nothing now. You're going to go out and buy a sixty inch you know TV. That was unheard of when we were younger. You know what I mean? Just like that was sci-fi. That was jetpack territory. Um, but nowadays, you know, you can go out and you can carry the damn thing home by yourself. <laughs> so um, I think that the rollout screen, because people are going to want to be able to put, you know, take them on vacations, put them on their walls, hang. You know, it's just, it's, it's going to be a thing. Or either that or... AR is going to get sophisticated enough, and I think the screen will come first, but AR, augmented reality, will get sophisticated enough that you could wear like a regular pair of glasses like this and you'd see whatever you want to see. So you could have battle maps um, laid out on any surface, any flat surface, and they'll be able to put figures down or whatever or or see images of whatever you want to see. I think, honestly, I really think that's a direction that we'll see some really um, useful gaming stuff that will stick around. But that's just my opinion. That's what I think.
2: I, I see that happening too, but with like VR and even in, and like you were saying, AR, um, that the only problem is the DM is going to have to become so much more sophisticated. Like, you know, I know there's going to be, there'll be packages with AR where it'll be, you know, like, oh, you can, you know, but you'll, he'll still have to have, you know, things that he had to set up ahead of time with all oh, this is where the, you know, hit this button when the, when the, uh, you know, the boss shows up and I'll do this when that happens. And, um, you know, for, for things to show up on, you know, on this field, but the, God, it's, Dude, it's crazy. I, it's I, I, It's going to be like a to, phone app. That was is it is it going to replace a, a a good DM who can just say you know all right so you guys are on this field the field is you know like who who is just really good at describing things and and drawing a picture some DMs aren't really that good at that yeah but I mean hey, we play quick- like dude we we play like that we don't use any maps we don't
0: use any anything we sit at the table we have our character sheet and we play. And we have dice
1: that's how that's that's why that's why i think it's maybe not going to be such a great thing having these virtual tabletops that can do that you know what you know the only thing that really improve will improve you know a, a a regular old gaming session is access to the information that you need so maybe being able to store a picture Um, of something that you want to put up and show people a a way of showing them that picture um you know a a dice roller for you know um when um when when peter's character pulls the lever halfway through the game and then that's the end of his character being able to you know uh generate something you know uh quick out of that but um I, I totally ag- agree with you, Mike. I, th- I think that you know when you've got when you've only got you know a certain number of miniature figures to represent the characters or to represent the monsters, uh, you're going to go with picking the figures that you have for the monsters instead of dreaming up. Oh, what if it was a forty foot long slug that you know that has its brain visible in the middle and it has a laser harness on it that can shoot people with? I don't have a mini for that.
2: But Freaking it might be
1: laser beams, man. <laughs> yeah, everything's improved with laser beams. Right, That's right right
0: now and you know another thing that might might be handy is just a more stable way of bringing people who are from other states to the game table or other places to the game table people can't make it like they got you know, maybe they got a family and they can play later at night, but they can't leave because, you know, they got to be home in case something happens or whatever. So, for example, you know, I the way we're doing this hangout, this is great. You know, if um, it would be really wild if there was a better way than, that we've done it before. Like we've played over Skype where we've had one person couldn't make it to the game, but they're like, but I can join in. I just can't drive down there. Um, so then you'd play by Skype. But it's it's clunky and it's, it's not it's not as immersive as it could be without like a lot of setup and work. But like, I think something making something like that easier would be a good technology because then that might be where your
1: that might be where your VR comes in handy. Right. Is if the, if the person who's joining in a game is actually able to see as if they're at the table with everybody,
0: that would be cool.
1: Then you might start that. That would be something that would have a big effect. Here's
2: what sucks about remote gaming. And Pete, I know it's been a while since I've been been at the, at the table because I, I I've taken a hiatus from from gaming with the guys. But even the last time I was there, it, it's it's so pronounced. See, like especially with you and I. See, when we're there and we're sitting right next to each other and everything else is going on, and we just start clowning, just the two of us, we're just <laughs> talking and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And then and then we get a little run bunkers and we get a warning or whatever. But it's like you can't have that. You know what I mean? Without just disturbing the shit out of everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I I like, dude, I'm a, I'm, I'm
0: an at the table guy. I prefer to role play at the table. I, I want to be, it's it's all for me. It's, it's the whole thing. It's the hanging out with your friends. It's the, it's the eating the chips and drinking the beer or whatever it is that you're into while you're playing and rolling the dice. Um, you know, it's it's watching somebody's expression when they roll something horrible or something great. You know, it's like that whole thing or somebody throwing their dice across the room or lighting it on fire because it was rolling terrible. Um, those kind of things I, I think you miss by not being there. But that's that's just my take.
1: Uh, all right, so let me let me take the 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 gap there to say that the the I am starting to have problems with the dog deciding yep, it's time okay. for me to take him. So right. I'm going to go ahead and sign off, guys. It's been really really great being on the show. I appreciate you inviting me, all
2: right, Matt. All right, awesome. Thanks for joining us. Definitely, and Matt, just so you know, even after you go, we as we close the show up, we're gonna we'll plug your Patreon. We'll uh, plug your Facebook.
1: (laughs) That's great. Y'all do the advertising for me.
2: We do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matter (laughs) of fact, we'll do it right now.
0: Everybody (laughs) go to patreon.com forward slash Uncle Matt. That's two Ts. Uh, Go to his Facebook page, Matt-Finch-RPG-Studio and a whole bunch of things. But if you just type in Matt Finch on Facebook or you just click the link that's right there in the description, you go right to his Facebook page.
1: All right, take it, care of you guys. Thank you very much for right. uh for having me. Awesome. Right, take Thanks, care. Matt. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining
0: us. All right, Mike. We're gonna play a game. We got time. Okay.
2: Do we have time? I don't know. It's like nine fifty five. What do you yeah, let's, your call.
0: Is it a quick game? Can you make it quick? Oh. I'll tell you oh. what.
2: I'll tell you what. This is gonna be this is going to be uh a a taste of what the game will be that we could play either next week or some other time. How's okay. that? Right, How's sounds, good. sounds good sounds good. How about that? All right, a little wet your Whistle. Uh, yeah. This is called uh that word in Z. Okay? That word in Z. That word in Z, as in generation Z. Okay. As in you and I used to play that game on the O show opener, and we used to be like, hey, Oh what does this word mean? You know? Okay. Except, you know, we we, we kind of went, you know we were circling the drain. I, I I put us in the upper tank on these. All right, and, all right. was, these are upper deckers
0: not lower deckers.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh for instance, okay? <clears throat> as an example, and I'm not going to use uh one of them in here cuz you know that I that one. All right. So, um uh Peter, what does T mean? If I were to say uh me, me and my friend, we we had some we had a bathtub full of tea what would that mean
0: you and your friend together had a had bathtub a bath- tea. full of tea yeah so you two were taking a bath together
2: uh in tea yes but it was a more of a uh of uh, what is that called not a uh, literal tea but a a metaphorical tea metaphorical tea <laughs> a dream. Okay. A tea is a, tea is a dream. Tea is a dream. No, that would be wrong. Okay. Peter.
0: That would tea. be Hold on. That would be
2: Yes. Tea is the real dirt, gossip. You know? You had a bath in gossip? We had a bathtub full of tea. In other words, I, that was the that was a uh, that was actually something That was that two I heard at once. About. Huh? That's
0: two at once. A bathtub full, like I've never heard that expression before.
2: And then well, tea, because you're obsessing on the bathtub when that was just in a sentence. Okay, tea, tea what? is the word, and it was so much tea, it was a bathtub full of tea. I've never
0: heard tea. a mother. I've never heard anyone say that a lot of something is a bathtub full of it.
2: That's okay. Well, because you're thinking of it, people referring to it as tea. Listen, I no, heard no, no, this.
0: No, 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 anything. No. Oh God, never mind. Never mind. You're not getting it. Why would You're you say funny. bathtub? What, what does bathtub have to do with anything? It's a bad example, is what I'm saying. That is a horrible example.
2: It, well, I used it because it was a, a truckload
0: of. What if I had a truckload of tea? A truckload is something that is a lot of something. A bathtub of something is,
2: is not a saying. Really? Because, like, tea, tea is in, you know, Lipton drinking tea. Why wouldn't you fill a bathtub with water and put a lot of tea, a dink dunk a lot of tea in it? Why would you, you do that at all? Who does that? Uh, I don't know. Look, the girl who was talking and she was saying to her dad, oh, my God, Becky is here and she is like, there's like a whole bathtub full of tea. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And she goes, it's gossip. So, okay. So is he saying uh, a bathtub of tea? Is that the whole saying? No, tea. It's just tea is gossip. The girl said, you know what? You know what? I just don't get the
0: bathtub thing. You know, How does that help me? That made it worse.
2: You had nothing anyway, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I swear to God. A tub of tea, a bunch of
0: tea, a truck of tea, a, a trunk of tea. Did tub is not a t- thing.
2: Okay. What does anyone say in the, in the, a bathtub full of Jello is a good time? Paul says, "Bathtub full of gin." I mean, again, I don't know. I think this is on you.
0: Buddy, no, it's I not on me. It's on you.
2: You're fucking... This is stupid. A bathtub. Full of gossip. What, what's interesting is this has nothing to do with the game. So everyone could just vote in the room. Who makes more sense here? Me making this... this why is, makes Why sense? does
0: anybody have to vote? Nobody has to vote. I don't care what anybody says. I do. You're wrong. You're just wrong. You're wrong, man. You care. <laughs> you care that I'm wrong. So, was, man. Hey, this is the best part of the show. Nobody gets to see us fight like this very often. <laughs> this is better than the game.
2: <laughs> yeah. Tune in for the end. <laughs> gonna- for the miracle happens, isn't that right. a saying?
0: That is a saying. See, that's a saying. You're like my guy. You're like the guy at work, Chica. He's like bathtub full of tea. <laughs> Don't.
2: Don't sink my sailboat. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's a saying that's popular. It I'm was the saying. whole. It was the whole <laughs> chicken boodle.
1: <laughs> the whole oh, chicken boodle. <laughs> all
2: right, right. See right. now that makes sense. <laughs> See that's funny. All right, all right. Here. Let us <laughs> I, I just know I you get one more. you were okay. gonna do one more of these. <laughs> and again. First of all, all of these examples I got off the internet. So, for, for, don't don't even don't even look at me, okay? <laughs> all you, right, you yell at the internet, Tim. I'm over hey, here. Hey, I'm, I'm looking go at you. At I'm staring right at you, man. Not go to the internet, okay? Okay. So, Peter, yes. If you spent the afternoon draking, it means that you did what? I did a lot of this.
0: No. Um. Or no. What is it? It's the. It's this. It's this. No. It has some. All right. Draking. I spent the drake. I spent afternoon draking. But you said these are not in the the toilet, right? These are. These are. Yes. Higher shelf than. Is it what the kids say? Right. So I'm not like shell It's not like shelving. I was draking. Okay. Draking. Right. right. <laughs> spent the afternoon draking. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. up your what? I don't know. Dancing around the apartment. I don't know.
2: Doing this. Doing a little hotline. little yeah. hotline. Okay, I have no idea. What <laughs> am I doing? So if you spent the afternoon draking, it means that you cried and listened to sad music.
0: Is that all? Okay, so people do that with Drake?
2: Yeah, it means uh, it, it. in you and I speak, yeah. it means you murdered. murd, Okay, <laughs> I listened Sorry. to some Sinead O'Connor
0: and cried.
2: Yeah, so that's that that is that's going to be a thing, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great.
0: God, I hope we have a younger person as a guest when we do that, so they can like actually make sense of some of this shit.
2: Cause, uh. well, here's what we're gonna do: see, wh- whoever is the guest, it's gonna be both of you are going to compete in trying to get a better answer. A point will be given okay. to whoever scientifically. Uh. Comes up with the best one. Or,
1: it's like
0: know, close. that was. I love your logic. You're both wrong, but Pete, you had the best yeah. logic. Or Pete, you're stuck on the tub. Get out of the tub.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: get out of the bathtub. Exactly. Oh shit! And you get to be the arbitrator, don't you?
2: Who me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: well, God, I'm going I to feed totally each definition
2: into a computer and beep boop ah beep boop pop pop. It'll spit out that you know an, a, the the most accurate. Hey.
0: Hey, get a sound effect for that and use your soundboard. You got a soundboard. You got the whole setup. I'm working on it. No. You spent all this time with, uh, with voice meter trying to get it so you can play sounds, and then <laughs> you're never playing sounds. All right. Let's get out of here, man. Okay. You ready? All right. Here we go. You've just enjoyed another awesome episode of the Mythwits. If you don't have time for videos, make sure to subscribe to our podcast via your favorite podcatcher. Do the like, follow, subscribe thing wherever it's appropriate. And make sure to share your favorite episode on social media to help spread the Mythwits love over the entire planet. Tweet us at Mythwits and check out Mythwits.com. Mythwits is part of the TSR Podcast Network. Check out tsrpn.com for more cool stuff. Go check it out. Look, we're trying to sell some goddamn top secret. Go buy a fucking copy of Top Secret, some bitch. I'm kidding, but not really. Uh, Mythwits <laughs> is a Creative Commons product. Like and share it in all the places. Just don't edit it, don't change it. And while it smells of guano and sulfur, don't use it as your magical component for Fireball. Thanks everyone for listening. Tell your friends to tune in. And we'll see you all next week. Mike. Beep,
2: boop, pop, beep, boop, boop, Beep, 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 beep. This is the Mythwits 2019 Summer Movie Draft Minute. I'm your host, Mike Kefis of the Mythwits. It's been seven weeks since any changes in the standings. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for a change in the standings as of Friday, July the 12th, 2019. In fifth place, Violet Lavoie breaks through the 200 million ceiling with 201 million dollars. Dropping to fourth place with $436 million. It's the director of Doom, A. Kovacs. Da-da-da-da. Jumping to third place with a respectable $538 million, the future Dark Overlord, Scott Sigler, starts his descent to second place. Feeling mostly secure in second place, me, Mike Aphis, has $733 million. I ain't scared. And in first place, Peter Bryant is somewhere over the billion-dollar rainbow with $1,191.2 billion. Hey, buddy, how does baby food taste? This has been your 2019 Summer Movie Draft Minute for the week of July the 6th to July the 11th. Powered by Aether Forge Creations.